Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. All right, all right. Welcome to the Building Doctor Show. I am your host, Jens Johansson. Glad to see you here to learn more about your buildings. Today is going to be a fun one. It is May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and this is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to bring some awareness to mental health in communities. We're not going to be able to fix everything, but instead of talking to you about building tips, maintenance, management, loans, etc., today we're going to be discussing your community's well-being. So we are super excited to have Dr. Rebecca Resnick, a licensed psychologist, author, speaker, and mental health expert as our guest today. She's also a condo owner and board member. So she is speaking from your perspective. So in this episode, we're going to be walking through mental health awareness, and you'll have a chance to ask your questions of Dr. Resnick free of charge. Welcome, Rebecca. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to be on the Building Doctor Show. Okay, Jens, uh, am I all good with respect to the mute and the video button? Yes, yes, we can hear you and see you. Oh, okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, so I love this idea of bringing mental health into the idea of how do we keep successful, safe condo associations and condo communities. And yes, I have three condos, two are offices, one I lived in when I was single. And uh, yeah, community living is really tough and, and having a little bit of a understanding about some of the mental health issues uh, that we're all facing can can help all that go a lot more smoothly. Awesome. The, uh, the theme, again, from the mental health angle is we want to move from a policing action that we hear so much about, how to how to shut it down, how to lock it down, how to use the votes and, and close these people out to one, one of understanding and one of nurture and to actually help these people through some of this extra anxiety of living in a condominium, going through a condominium repair process. And uh, it, we're, we're excited to bring this to you today. So as a quick intro to help us tailor our answers to the audience, we're going to run a quick poll. We'll find out where you're from and uh, what position you have in the association that you manage. And let's see, while that's running, we've got some disclaimers. So this show is free. Put away your credit cards. We aren't selling any, anything. And this show is definitely for educational content only. We're not giving legal, financial, engineering, or psychological advice. And I'm not a medical doctor. We're just people on the internet trying to help you run your buildings better. We've helped thousands of people with their building problems, and we've seen what worked and what didn't when it comes to restoring and running condos. And we want to share that with you in hopes that it'll benefit you. And do us a favor. If, if any of this stuff is resonating and you like it, give it a share, give it a thumbs up. Uh, even if you're listening to it post post uh, live, hit that thumbs up button and that helps share the news. Uh, and of course, stick around for the Q&A at the end. We'll answer as many questions as we can in the hour and then add the rest of the next show. Uh, stay tuned for a link to schedule a free one-on-one -on -one call with me or Dr. Resnick. We'll start calling her Rebecca here to be a little yeah. bit less formal soon enough. But uh, Ben, the producer, will be monitoring the chat and Rebecca and I will go through the Q&A panel at the end of the show. So we'll also be doing a raffle giveaway as usual. So stay tuned for that. So let's get back to poll results and see where everybody 
is share results. We've got everybody in Washington today, managers, board members, curious people. Uh, you're hearing it from the newsletter and others. Have you been involved in a repair project? Yes. Half of you in a big one. No. Well, get ready for it. It's coming. No, I'm joking. But okay, that's a good lots of board members and managers. Okay, perfect. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, next slide. So today's agenda. Um, just you know, we'll briefly cover these, but then we'll hit them one slide at a time. Stress. Why is stress on the rise? Uh, we live in this kind of virtual world now, so things things can be a little bit more keyboard warrior ish. We do have some mental trends that are that are we're going to talk about. And then just repair work in general can be stressful and anxiety producing. Uh, we also have an aging population and dealing with uh, dementia or pre-dementia, things like that. We can talk about that. And then just solutions and how, uh, how we can try to help you make this a better process. So let's see. In, in our, in our pre-show not pre-show, but a few days prior doing our research with Rebecca, um, she brought some history to me that was really interesting. So Rebecca, could you could you kind of take us through a little bit of the Reagan era, you know, and the and the state-run mental hospitals and and kind of walk us through this type of stuff? When when did these things start happening? Reagan was early 80s, right? So <laughs> give us a little bit of that background. I, I'm from the early 70s, so I remember the Gipper. Um, but you know what? What happened during the Reagan era was a big movement to deinstitutionalize people. So before, you know, the '80s, if you had a disability, a mental health problem, if you had autism, you were pretty much either at home, kind of in a basement or an attic, or mm. you were in an institution. And now we have people out in the community, which is great. But of course, a lot of those folks need some kind of supported living. And a condo really does work for them because they you know, can have independence, can have community, but maybe some of the things they wouldn't be able to do, like, you know, home repairs and such are handled through the community. And so you have a big shift where the the personality and, and population of, of our condo and apartment buildings have, have changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, a lot of folks now who are living independently who wouldn't have been able to years ago, you know, thanks to technology and support animals and things like, you know, social worker, um, organizations like the ARC, uh, where these people, you know, are getting just a bit of support so they can manage living independently. But, you know, of course, sometimes for a condo board to try to figure out, well, how do we serve these people? How do we all get along? And, and mm -hmm. importantly, of course, how do we do repairs when we might have, you know, one condo with a vet who has PTSD and can't handle the loud noises, one person right. may have them, one person may have dementia and be really terrified of like strange people being around. Mm -hmm. As a condo board member, I know we're we're handling a lot of these really complicated issues. Shout out to Michael, our condo board uh, executive director, if you're out there. Awesome, Michael gets a shout out. The <laughs> yeah, what I mean, we're the uh, what is a taste of how can how this isn't this isn't in our bylaws and governing documents of how to do this. It's this hidden theme or this underlying current that I'm, as a board member, I'm waking up to and realizing, oh, wow. I mean, maybe 15, 20, 
needs some extra help. What am I supposed to do with this? What, how have you and, and Michael figured this out? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I, I'm talking with Michael about an office condo, but yeah, I do own a residential mm-hmm. one as well. And I think for, for a lot of people, the issue of an aging population is really a significant one. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, we really didn't have people who were in, you know, their 90s who were still living right. independently. So how do we support those folks? Um, and at the end, when we get to the solutions section, I'll have some resources for you so we can um, hopefully get you with some ideas going about how to support your your elder elders, um, Mm -hmm. as well as people with physical disabilities and such. Yeah, neat. Um, Kind of the the second bullet here is, do you think we now have a better better handle on defining disabilities or recognizing and diagnosing disabilities and, you know, just kind of across the board? Or is, is there a surge in that diagnosis percentage? Or is, do we just have a better handle on it? Or... Uh, because then that that kind of, well, I have this disability, so I, I can get some subsidized housing, or I can get some care brought to me, or I can get some things uh, as, a, as a part of this treatment. Is there Has there been a rise of this? There is a rise in disability purely for the reason that our population is aging, and all of us okay. is- we get older, you know, I'm, I'm right. about to turn 50 and my body does not work as well as it used to. So the, <laughs> the older we are, the higher our risk of both physical disability, visual and auditory impairment, you know, our, our eyes go, our ears go, our mm-hmm. balance goes, our mobility goes, but also right. the older we are, the higher our risk of, of dementia. And mm-hmm. so we have a population that is much needier. But again, we have a lot of folks out in the community who just weren't 50 years ago. You know, we have right. people who, um, you know, survive being born severely premature. We have people who survive mm-hmm. car accidents and, you know, war wounds who never would have been around, you know, years ago or they, sure. they passed on very quickly. But now they're back in the community and we all have to figure out how to support them and, and get along. Right. And that, yeah, that third bullet, the lure of no, no maintenance and upkeep of a house makes, <laughs> makes condos seem to be a great place. So yeah. Okay. Neat. Uh, that was helpful to me on the history when we were prepping. Um, but stress, here's, stress is on the rise. There was a latest article in U.S. Department of Labor. 83% of workers reported uh, work-related stress. So that's not just home-related, but that's work-related. And stress is both a physical and mental health concern. Uh, but, you know, we've got all these things beating down on us, whether it's work or the economy or the pandemic of a couple of years ago or the news, 24-hour news cycle, or just normal community stress of, of living in a high-density and busy um is, is, is stress on the rise? Stress is on the rise big time. And, and I mean, you know, in a condo community, it only takes one yappy dog to set off right. the stress on the whole floor, um, one leaking ceiling or pipe. Uh, yeah, but but stress is really on the rise. And it, it you know, it's unfortunate because um, this movement towards technology and cell phones and virtualization uh, has has really not been good for our mental health. You know, human beings mm-hmm. were meant to be social. We were meant to get together, you know, church, mm-hmm. eating dinner together, you mm-hmm. know, singing together, playing together, and all those things that that relieved our stress and developed that sense of community have really eroded from our society, um, unfortunately. You know, add in that wages haven't kept up with inflation. 
Sure. Well, and there's a kind of a meanness in our culture now um, that I'm not going to say it wasn't there, but at least it was a little bit hidden. Um, but now we we can blast all of our nastiest thoughts out to right. people anytime um, and egg each other on. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of ugliness out there. And, and that is raising people's stress and probably making them more difficult to deal with in terms of, you know, condo boards or telling everybody, hey, you know, it's our third water shut off of the week. That kind of thing right. um, people can right. get really irritable when they're stressed. Yeah. So I was listening to Lewis Howe's podcast today and and he was talking to somebody about mental health conditions and they were they were talking about aggression and depression is are those and he didn't answer this question. My my question comes up. Are those the same side of the stress coin? So if you're extroverted maybe it comes out in aggression, if you're introverted it comes out as depression or am I mixing? Jens, that's like deep. Wow. Uh, well, yeah, well done. I work I mean, with a lot of uh, community condo boards. I'll so. bet you do. Yeah, I bet you see a lot of very stressed out, um, unhappy uh, people. You know, when your building is not passing safety codes, that's that's a big stress. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's all negative affect. It's all these really bad feelings, and for a, a lot of males, um, they express sadness or frustration or or feeling, you know. An unhappy, inadequate, hurt feelings that'll come out as like an angry response. Um, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, women will report more feeling like sad and depressed. It, it really hasn't been that long that we kind of recognize that it's mental health and physical health are all tied in together. You know, right. two generations ago, everybody just drank themselves to death. Um, right. You know, or everybody was alcoholic. Stuck it up, or, you know, stiff upper lip or something. Yeah, like that. right. And they all died, you know, like early of heart attacks and. Ooh, you know, we're awful yeah. to their kids. And yeah, so I mean, I think things are getting better. It's it's all a question of, you know, how are we dealing with this? You know, because they certainly had tons of stress, you know, back in the day when right. you would expect like not all of your children would survive. It's it's just different now. Um, but at least we're mm. talking about it, which is which is better than it the way it used to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the edginess or the pokiness. Is that on the rise since kind of social media where you could comment on people's things? So kind of 2011 or, you know, that sort of thing or good old days. Yeah. It's been really bad for teenagers. um, Oh yeah. Concept and mental health. And of course, when your teenagers are stressed, you as a parent and maybe you as a parent are also caring for elders at the same time Mm -hmm. that you're caring for kids at home. That's a huge stressor. You know, we, this whole shift in our society where people are living to like 90, 95, we've got mm-hmm. a lot of folks out there who don't have enough money for retirement. Um, they, you know, couldn't save enough because, you know, who mm-hmm. plans to live to be a hundred, like almost yes. nobody. We certainly didn't back in the fifties. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the cost of raising kids is very expensive. Caring for elders. Um, yeah. puts a lot of pressure, but you're right. When people are stressed, you know, some people will say, you know, like, Oh, I feel stressed, but a lot of people will get irritable and mean and inflexible and, you know, mm-hmm. scratch the surface. You find that they're really feeling bad, you know, for anyone who's been through Alcoholics Anonymous, like don't raise your hand, but they have a pithy saying, hurt people, hurt people. Um, right. And so, yeah, as soon as somebody's acting bad or mean or being a real jerk, kind of the first question you want to ask is if there's something going on with this person and this is just the way it's coming out. Right. Right. Okay. All right. The, what, what things are on the rise beyond stress? So what are you seeing in your practice that's 
obviously stress is there, but um, what other kind of trends are we seeing that may affect a board or community? Sure. We're, we're, you know, I do neuropsychological testing, so I'm actually like the person who's doing the diagnosing and we, we have a big uptick in anxiety and depression. We have upticks in this country. Our suicide rates are going up in like every other country they're going down. This is really not good. Um, Mm -hmm. our rates of depression are extremely high, you know, and, and one of the problems with depression is that it, it, you know, makes you physically unhealthy. And so you have people with mood disorders who are also physically, you know, unhealthy, gaining a lot of weight, not exercising. Mm-hmm. And we, we have, of course, our veterans who came back from, you know, the Middle East with a lot of brain injuries and PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, things have gotten a lot more complicated. It's pretty much like you name it, it's on the rise. Anxiety, schizophrenia, dementia, depression. So this is like, this is a depressing show, of course, but, you know, kind of the good news really is that, you know, people are no longer kind of marginalized on the edge of society. People right. with disabilities can now take part and live in their own places and have families. And, you know, if you look at it that way, it's kind of good. Right. And I think, I think that's I, I, the comment is in another slide of, you know, 20 years ago, if you said, I'm in therapy, there was something wrong with you. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, it's just one more coach or it's, I'm, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to my therapist. And, and it's, it's almost a cool thing. Have you seen that <laughs> shift in your practice? Somewhat. I mean, wasn't Walter Mondale who like they exposed that he'd been a psychiatrist to a psychiatrist or it was one mm-hmm. of the presidential candidates. Yeah, it was a big stigma because right. you know, if, if you went to a mental health provider, something was wrong with you. You were just expected right. to like bootstrap your way through and force yourself through your problems, like through right. force of will. Uh, but of course that, you know, we know that really didn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. like I watched my grandfather who was soused by, you know, like three in the afternoon, mm-hmm. it, it would have been much better for him to go to therapy. Right. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I do like this current trend. The real problem is of course that most of our country, like the vast majority of the population live in what are called mental health deserts. And that means that even if they can afford mental health care, they don't live anywhere near uh, a trained mm-hmm. mental health care provider. Um, so even so how has how has Zoom changed sorry? that? I mean, Zoom, Zoom has really changed that, hasn't it? To a large extent, it has. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when when you don't see like your buddies going to therapy, you know, if you're um, a whole bunch of vets and maybe you get together to hang out with the other vets and nobody's in therapy, it's not going to really occur to you like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe I should try this. But if you see the other guys, you know, or like at the happen to live near a VA and they're getting counseling and that kind of thing, you'd be much mm-hmm. more likely to do it too. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Okay. This is good. I'm, I am not depressed. I am excited about it because I know, I mean, just all, all the agitating homeowners association meetings I've attended, you, you kind of step away from it. You go, that could have been handled so much better if just a little bit of thinking ahead of time. And that could have, that could have really gone well. But yeah, yeah. in both of our professions, Jens, you know, that old saying a stitch in time saves nine. I mean, Mm. keeping buildings from falling apart for me, keeping people from falling apart. It's all the same. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Virtual world, the amount of virtualness. We found a a study from 2019 and 21 that said people working from home nearly tripled up to 17% of the population. And then we're hearing some studies coming out right now on the hiring side of things that say 
40% of workers expect to work remotely. And so this whole come back to the office thing, 40% of the workers are saying, nope, I'll just go find another job and I will continue working from home. So we're dealing with, you know, you used to go off to the factory or go off to the whatever and you'd leave home and you'd come back. But now you're now you're at home dealing with that yappy dog or your neighbors and just nonstop and not getting a break from it. Uh, then, of but course, it kind of switched back to the way it was in the really olden days, because in the really olden days, you know, women might brew at home. They might weave, mm-hmm. um, you know, men, they would like go, you know, farm or hunt. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, it's actually an interesting shift now because, yeah, then work was out of the home, but now it's coming back in. But it's actually right. like kind of early, early 20th century. We're going back to that time when people were doing like peace work at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the. Well, I mean, the virtual, at least in my experience, the virtual sit at a desk world of as opposed to out farming or chopping wood, you know, if I'm physically working all day, I'll be I'll come home very tired and relaxed and nothing (laughs) seems to bother me because I'm exhausted. (laughs) But if I'm sitting at my desk, I'm bent up and I need to run laps. But yeah. Okay. then, of course, socializing on time or online. We talked about miserable, toxic, and yet we love it because our brains are program to love it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just no accident that we're all addicted to our phones. The right. average person now is spending like three to four hours every day on their phone. Mm. And that's the time that they're not chopping wood or socializing or, you know, right. taking care of the kids or talking to their spouse. And so, yeah, we're, we're pretty miserable right now. Um, mm. and it's kind of our own fault because, you know, we go out and buy the phones and we buy the tablets. Yeah. Um, we've made them a part of life, but now we can't get the cows back in the barn. Right, right. And how many of us text text our partner from the other room to bring us another glass of water? And it's like, are you in the house? I mean, why can't you just, <laughs> why can't you say I something? I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so we talked about the ability to get away with bad behavior. So keyboard warrioring, uh, but it was interesting. There was, we were involved in a, in a board meeting and somebody challenged someone and in previous days when you're in, in in person and you're challenged you get the right to defend yourself you you can turn and run or you can you can you know have a debate with them but we just saw this person not wanting any of that and just turning off and signing off and poof ghosting out into the east internet and it was like oh wow you can totally get away with that now. Yeah. And how frustrating is that? Is you know, I'm trying to get an answer from you and you just hang up on me. Um, so it's it's really yeah. So it was kind of like, oh wow, this is not only do we need to worry about muting people who want to interrupt, we need to keep people on the phone or on the call that we need an answer from. Yeah, but you're right. The the virtualness of our interactions, we just we just weren't designed to socialize that way. We're really designed for face-to-face interactions and we're designed to live in small groups. You know, most people back in the day, you know, at the time of the Civil War had never gone more than like five miles away right. from their home, maybe once. So we're we're communal animals. And mm-hmm. yeah, when we have this sort of distancing where it feels artificial, yeah, it's very easy for people to say all sorts of nasty stuff and, you know, racism and bigotry or just mean mm-hmm. stuff that they would never say if they, if I was actually sitting down at a table with you, um, mm-hmm. You know, I would never, you know, insult you, but online people feel like perfectly free to, you know, start right. a Twitter flame war and cancel people. And it, it right. is unfortunately bringing out the worst in us. 
Right. Right. Okay. Well, does she know what she's talking about or what? <laughs> uh, according to we'll her LinkedIn. Well, according to her LinkedIn page, she's president of the Maryland Psychological Association. So, you know, in Anchorman's terms, she's kind of a big deal. So if you want to talk to her some more, here's her email address, Dr. Resnick at ResnickPsychology.com. And her phone number is there for you. So I'm all the way in Maryland, though. And I think yes, I think I'm the only east side representative here. Yeah, that's right. So coming from the Pacific Northwest, she and we're just so glad that you are up at 7 p.m. talking to us. We really well, not that old, Jens. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. Not my dotage. Yes. We're Gen Xers. We're tough. We're tough. Okay. Repair work stress. Now we get into, hey, this is, if we're doing condominium repairs, we've got all this baseline or this underlying stuff. Now we're going to close the pool. Now we're going to close your decks. Now we're going to wrap your building in shrink wrap. Now the elevators are shut down for repairs, so I can't get outside. The parking lots are taken. We're, you know, just on and on. And that and, and that's normal stress, we would call, of a repair uh, work story. But I have some, you know, a couple of favorite stories that it's, I call it the white shrink wrap story. And this was a nursing home we were working on that wanted the opaque white uh, plastic covering their scaffolding and they were doing it in phases. So it didn't look at, like it was all under construction. And the daughter of one of the residents there came out and she was asking, Hey, is there anything you can do about the white plastic on the outside of the scaffolding? And I said, why? Well, my dad, you know, he's, he's 85 and he, he keeps calling me every hour because he lived through the great blizzard of 1952 and he's looking out his window and it's all, it's a whiteout. So he's calling me every hour to make sure I'm home safely and I'm not freezing to death in my car. And so I said, sure. What, what, what unit does he live in? We went up on the scaffolding. He was there staring out his window into the white plastic and we cut a window for him and put in some clear plastic and turned around and he was just all smiles, but it was it was just amazing what, you know, they can't quite put it. And I think that would be dementia. Is that, is that some kind of dementia thinking it was blizzard outside, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that is the kind of, of thing that, you know, if you're, if your brain is, you know, going through dementia, it's, it's mm-hmm. really hard to kind of figure out what's going on. People get confused, but mm-hmm. I love that because the compassion there is so amazing because a lot of people would have said, you know, oh, you know, just, stop that Tough, deal with it you know, you know yeah really cares? we got a job to do right. um but you know the fact that you kind of put yourself in that guy's shoes and in the daughter's shoes too because it's when you're caretaking right. for an elder as as i am you know you watch them suffer when you know so few people actually seem to really care about that and right. it means a lot when you can do that kind of thing well, we we like it just as a simple example of it. It's actually kind of simple. Once you just learn just a little bit more, I mean, there, it's very simple to say, is this something that I can do that's, that takes really five minutes that really makes that person's anxiety go down? And it's some people may have a giant <clears throat> $10,000 request, but you know, <laughs> figuring out what these things are and, and deciding what you can do is a as a board or a construction team to really, Hey, we can, we can handle this. This is easy. So the other one involved a little bit more money, but it was interesting about uh, we had a, we had a resident that was just very concerned about having anyone in their unit. Mm -hmm. And 
as part of this, you know, replacing windows, there's workers coming in and putting new windows in and patching things. And, and it's even, you know, I look back and it's, it's even at least last year, as of last year, it was a requirement. You have to give us a key so that they can mm-hmm. come and go. And so I can just see that person really getting anxious about that. Yeah. And so they portrayed themselves as a hoarder. So you don't want to come into my unit. It's terribly disgusting. Um, and nobody can come in. And so we finally made some headway in trust and it, uh, it became, let's see, I just flipped a slide here. Let me go back one. Uh, it was, <clears throat> we got, we developed trust and realized that she had just a pristine unit and very wonderful lady, just very anxious about having people in. But if she could trust one person, that person would be the bridge. And so the board said, fantastic. Can you just be there with each contractor that goes into their unit? We want to keep this, want to help this person. And so even, even to the point of after the job was done, this person needs something, something delivered and set up. And they called asking for us to be that uh, person that would come in with the delivery team. And so and the board said, yeah, I know it's going to cost extra money. We, you know, but it's not that much. We we want you to meet them and take care of them. And so it was, it was really cool that the board actually designated some money to, yeah, we can, we can do this. We can, we can pay a little service call. We can pay a little extra to figure this out. Are there other examples of maybe how boards could manage some of this? Is there some kind of budget or some kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from budget because that's that's your area of expertise. But, <laughs> um, you know, the more that people know what to expect, the more anxiety mm-hmm. goes down. You know, just right. like you gave the example of the point person and mm-hmm. the you know, the lady had actually met that person. So she was putting a face to it. And then it felt mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just Steve or whoever is, is mm-hmm. going to come by to help out. And yeah, that that fear of having people come in, the worry about the noise or or you know, smells, all of those things. It, people, if they just know what to expect, and they have a sense of like when is it going to happen, and a reasonable expectation of like how long do I have to put up with it? And I, mm-hmm. I always tell people things are going to take longer than mm-hmm. they actually are because then I get some grace at the end if mm-hmm. it does take longer. And you know, of course, if it if I turn out to be right and you know snowstorm comes and it takes longer, well right. then nobody's upset with me. So um, sure. that that communication piece and getting buy-in, mm-hmm. and if you know condo boards can have like a meet the contracting company night where mm-hmm. they get you know like the the tenants or um, owners um, and their caretakers too, because if you mm. you know That's say somebody who's yeah, caring for an elder and maybe they come by, you know, three times a week. They want to know about that too, because they right. want to know like, you know, who's coming into the house and what kind of noises and will my father think it's a it's a blizzard. So, you know, not only providing that information and, and faces to go with it, but you know, remembering that a lot of the folks with either mental health problems or disabilities, they're gonna need a lot of reminders. So sure. you may send out an email blast and say, you know, the parking lot will be unusable for the next week. But if you can also remember like, okay, some of our elders won't use email. Some of our folks don't read very well or can't see. We're going to have to find alternate ways to communicate to that, that information to them and probably communicate it a lot, you know, like a week out, 
um, two days out and then like right as it's happening. And then people are much calmer just when they know what to expect. So you can save yourself a lot of extra work by putting in the, the you know, stitch in time saves nine work by being proactive about communicating well. Well, inviting the caregiver, that's brilliant because the, the resident's going to be asking the caregiver likely repeatedly. And so as if they're giving an answer instead of, I don't know, let me go find it, but they can reassure. And yeah, that's a great, yeah, we'll add that to our thing. Invite the caregivers. Right. Perfect. Okay. All right. Let's go to aging population. And this isn't about ageism. But it's 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 interesting, um, you know. Again, when when we were talking about this, doing a little show research, you know, you get big organizations like National Institutes of Health or AARP that that are preaching aging in place is the right thing to do, and it's like, oh, okay, great, you know, these these big groups are doing that, um, and it is keep people connected, keep them socialized, um, and so you couple that with, you know, some of our some of our quotes down here of I'm going to stay here as long as I can. I'm going out here feet first, you know, that's <laughs> sort of thing on a gurney, I guess. Um, but it, it, it does give this, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you should be in assisted living, but mm -hmm. because of Uber now I can get everything delivered, including myself. I can, it used yeah. to be, if you could drive, you had some level of independence uh, or take public you know, transit. But now with a tap of a button on your phone, you can be delivered anywhere and have anything delivered to you. And so you can really extend out that. And then the rise of home care services, like you were talking about previously, um, it's really extending out, you know, how long people are, people are staying in condominiums. Mm -hmm. So, and then not to mention the fixed income budget, Hey, uh, full service is 10 grand a month at a assisted living place now or more. And um, your unit, your condo units, maybe it's paid off, but it's not, it's not that expensive. And so um, I wonder how much budget is driving this or, I mean, obviously the desire to stay with your friends and neighbors that you've probably lived next to for a while and you're living on your own and, you know. Yeah, I think budget's part of it, certainly. I mm -hmm. like I have my in-laws live in a, a senior community with assisted help. My parents are planning to age in place. They're the feet first crowd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, this does create a lot of issues for condo boards and condo associations, of course, because you know it, it's not a matter of ageism, but the the reality is it's just that right. all of us are going to have different physical right. and, you know, support needs as we mm -hmm. get older. And that's pretty hard if people haven't planned ahead for that. And almost nobody right. planned ahead for that, yep. which is why ARP and the National Association of Home Builders, um, mm -hmm. their guys, got together to create a program called the, um, the Aging in Place Program. And they actually have a certification and training program where you have, you know, aging in place specialists. So this might be a consultant. It might be an occupational therapist um, who can go and evaluate a home, a building, you know, the stairways, the elevators and partner with a contractor. So, you know, right. the people who actually get stuff done to make a, 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 a home safe enough, you know, mm -hmm. eliminating um, things like, you know, not enough lighting or you know, a bathtub that, you know, could cause somebody to fall, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it can be worth it if your condo association has a lot of elders to bring mm-hmm. in some of these people or say, you know, like, hey, we're getting, you know, somebody from NAMI or the A, oh, sorry, the National Association for Mental Illness or, you know, a local representative, of the ARP, they're going to come by or maybe a local church, they're going to come by and they're going to talk about, you know, if you're going to age in place, what kinds of things might you need? So, mm-hmm. so again, bringing the caretakers in because a lot of times elders, you know, we all age very slowly and we're not very good as human beings about planning ahead, you know, saving for retirement, changing right. our thoughts, getting rid of all this junk. So it mm. creeps up on people a lot or else they have like a catastrophic injury, like a fall or a dementia right. diagnosis or stroke. And um, so getting people on board with like, this is what we do here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we all, you know, bring in the caretakers. We all keep our advanced directives on file. We all look out for each other. We get meals on wheels in, but, you know, particularly with respect to the physical space, um, bring in some experts, you know, because a lot of times they won't even mm-hmm. charge you anything because people, you know, like hmm. you care about this stuff right. um, and get them, you know, talking to the folks in the community so that it doesn't become like a pejorative critical thing. It becomes like, this is what we're all doing now. You know, all of us want the units to be safer, you know, and the yep. longer the unit is safer, the longer you can be independent. Nobody wants the scenario of like, you know, falling in your bathroom. Nobody finds you for a couple of days. You've broken a hip and then you can't live in your house anymore and you have to give up your dog. That's a really sad kind of outcome for people. So did you get these things to Ben? Is he putting them in the chat? These links to these places that'll come look at you? Because I think that's a fantastic idea. So I can I can certainly give them to Ben. Um, okay. the a, it's the AARP. And if you go on their website and you search for aging in place, so that's AIP mm-hmm. or CAPS, you know, like CAP. So that's mm-hmm. the certified aging in place specialist. And the AARP maintains lists of people um, in your community who have this particular specialization. Gotcha. Perfect. Thank you. Super helpful. Okay. So yeah, we were talking about aging, just a little bit of what we're dealing, some cognitive abilities. So really repeating, communicating well, dementia, uh, accessibility. So I'm used to the ADA. So as long as the American disabilities and we can get our wheelchair and get our walker and things like that, but, but you're suggesting, which I think is a great idea going even deeper and saying, well, here's some things to start planning for, to watch out for, or, just to kind of look at as a board, look at your community and say, hey, we got about 40% of the people that would benefit from maybe some additional guardrails here or maybe some additional lighting or ease of getting groceries in and out of the car. So we're seeing those shopping carts around now more or, <laughs> you know, just things. And so those are all great. Yeah, communication yeah, forms and information. You're absolutely forms. right, though, because the ADA things are, are pretty broad strokes, you know. Right. Right. Those are pretty easy. Like, you know, I have ADA compliant bathrooms in my units and boy, are mm-hmm. they expensive, but I'm so glad I do. And, um, you know, for but for a lot of elders, it's it's not going to be the big dramatic things that are going to make life so much harder. Ditto for people with physical disabilities or visual impairments or auditory impairments. It's going to be like those little things like you mentioned, like, you know, how do I get my groceries in? Um, you know, how do I make sure there's enough lighting around? Um, you know, and, and again, a lot of times these things creep up on people and they don't recognize they need them mm-hmm. until it becomes like overwhelming to get the repairs done and they don't know how to do that. So for condo associations, when you're, you know, when you have a community with a significantly 
you know, with a significant number of elders or disabled vets or people with physical handicaps, mm-hmm. bringing in these experts to consult with the residents can really make a huge difference. And again, you know, you open up to everyone. So it's normal. Everybody's going right. to go. Everybody's going to talk about how their right. unit could be safer. Yep. And how how everybody's talking about how to plan for it versus just the board adding it to one more agenda bullet point. And yeah. So, yeah. Great. Uh, and, and aging, you know, the communication forms and information flow. I've, I've had some seven-year-olds teach me how to do independent zoom rooms and really be a wizard at that, but they, they are, there are other, you know, what's that Samsung one phone you have. I know it still works, but it just doesn't do what we're trying to text you these days. And so understanding that there's still lots of communication types and there's different ways of doing it and how can everybody be informed of that? So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes for our elders, they're still on, you know, sticky notes and notepads and right. you know, little, little notice on the door, like, Hey, you know, remember that Charlie, the repairman is coming by it too. You know, that can make a big difference between a person saying, Oh, hi, Charlie, you know, come on in, take care of the windows versus there's a man trying to get into my apartment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reducing the stress. Yeah. So solutions, we've already talked about some of this stuff. Um, see, you know, and, and when you're thinking about, or when, as a board, when you're thinking about um, people with, with diagnosed mental conditions, aging in place, remote workers, I mean, you're pushing 50, 60% of your community needs some extra understanding, some extra communication, some extra support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I was just putting down a bullet, you know, should therapists now be factored in as part of that repair process? I mean, we're seeing a lot more therapists at schools these days and, you know, at college campuses. It's not just your guidance counselor that tells you to take this class. There's a whole therapy section as well. Um, but, but your, your points of bringing in the care keepers, uh, bringing in some of these extra AARP, uh, cap and aim, no cap and AIC, AIP. A- AIP. I think they figured out that AIP didn't exactly roll trippingly off the tongue. So they were like, <laughs> what will everybody remember? Okay. Let's just go with caps. <laughs> what does, what does cap stand for? Certified aging in place specialist. And that can be a person from several different um, areas of expertise, but they will typically be either, um, you know, contractors themselves or, or partner with contractors to make sure that the work is done, is done properly. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know that the therapists need to be part of the repair process, but it's mm-hmm. certainly a nice move to get some consultants. I mean, particularly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, NAMI, for example, they'll, you know, they don't charge. You can get a NAMI consultant to come in and talk about things like, okay, we we have a big repair coming up. How are we going to notify our uh, our elders with dementia? Or we have, you know, a, a several people, let's say with autism who are living together, you know, sharing mm-hmm. an apartment. How are we going to communicate to them so that they're going to be okay with this? Uh, right. You know, because again, when it comes to either disability or mental health issues it is always like a stitch in time saves nine. The more you communicate and get buy-in and reassure people, the less of the sticky, really annoying problems you have later right. on when you have, you know, unhappy um, residents who are upset and, you know, maybe even getting hurt because they didn't, you know, remember like, oh, you have to take a different route in, you know, when right. you 
groceries, for example. Um, But we definitely do need to bring the caretakers in and and a lot of folks, you know, will have caretaker involved. So it might be, you know, again, it might be a vet, it might be a person with autism, a person with intellectual disability, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a person who doesn't see. There's usually kind of a support person and that might be a relative, it might be a social worker, it might be a neighbor, but making sure we understand for all of our relatives with all of our residents with support needs, who's their point person? Like, who would we actually call if something did happen or if we really needed to get a message to them? Um, You know, that kind of openness is not something that people are accustomed to with condo communities, but I think that needs to be the wave of the future where we're sharing more information so that we can keep people safe and informed. Right, right. That's awesome. Okay, let's see. My button's getting anxiety when my buttons aren't working. (laughs) Okay. So need an inspection. Uh, Anybody that's been watching this show for over a year, I am used to uh, sending out the education. I'm listening. My eyes are lighting up. I'm like, yeah, let's get some of those people in there. So I am out of my lane in this show, but I'm seeing you, my clients going, wow, I wish we had, there's something I can't quit quite put my finger on it. So I'm really glad we had Rebecca with us today. But if you want to set up a 15 minute call and get some specific advice about your building, click that link there or scan that QR code. Talk about different ways of communicating. There we go. So uh, this call is free and yeah, use it. Okay. All right. Doctors closing thoughts. Then we'll get into Q and A and we've got a couple in there already. If you have more questions, now is your chance to get them in there. Uh, But our boards are having to consider and plan for a lot more things than just repairs in their upcoming projects. So something for, and and none of the stuff is talked about in the, the, again, the governing documents or I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it even in best practice information. And so I feel like we're really turning over some good ground here. That's good. And yeah, our so, the docs are all like from 1983. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, our questions to you as, as a mental health professional and a board member, any advice to boards trying to be better? You know, and I, maybe we can just sum up what you've said here. I, I've served on quite a few boards. I mean, that's what middle-aged women do, right? We serve on boards. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of tension in boards of all different kinds, not just condo boards, between um, generations. And as you okay. were, were mentioning when we were talking, you, you have some folks who are, you know, really focused on like, I've paid off my condo. Why would I invest in a whole bunch of new stuff? You know, why would mm-hmm. I do that? Or they want to preserve the look of the 70s because that's right. you know, that's nostalgia for them. And then you have like mm-hmm. some of the younger owners who, you know, they're looking at another 30 years of living there. They really want to invest. Right. And that, that kind of tension is, is coming up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we try to sort of manage that is, is we try to get everybody, you know, focused on, you know, yeah, it seems like if we, you know, put a whole bunch of money into the roof and it's going to happen over the course of the next 10 years and you're 80, well, why would you care about that? But what mm-hmm. everybody cares about is the property value and right. the niceness of the community in general. So, you know, if I know that a repair is coming in 10 years and I want to sell my condo, that's a nice thing to be able to tell a prospective buyer is right. that, look, this condo community is investing in, in you know, making it better. And that 
is definitely going to make them happy as opposed to this condo board will never spend money and we're just letting this building crumble into the dust. So mm-hmm. thinking about like the win-win um, across the generations, you know, and, mm-hmm. and if the only thing people can agree on is that we all want our investment to increase in value. That's not a bad starting point. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about, we call it the dark cloud in the real estate industry. The realtors who, who do a lot of business know that that place, no, they never fund their repairs. They always do assessments. I think they also can talk about community, uh, about community vibe and say, you know, I sold a building or I sold a unit there last year. And my client told me that that place is just toxic. You don't want to move in there as, as opposed to no, that place is very open, very understanding. They work with everybody, uh, you know, and to say they brought in, you know, caps people to just help uh, segments of the population figure this out. That says a ton. I would want to live there. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, think about, think about what, what that vibe of your community, because it gets out, it it gets out, gets out into the thing. And so attracting quality residents that you want in your community, as well as cranking your property values. (laughs) Yeah. Real estate agents know all the dirt. They're some of the best. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so anything, anything else? And, and I, I want to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We've had a couple of shows where we're talking about more community, more town halls. Don't make every meeting a vote, you know, build some time into, you know, December's meeting is all about celebrating the holidays or August meeting is a summertime barbecue picnic, ice cream, social, get people in front of each other, get people talking to one another, and and that that is that's another melody coming through here in all our in all our technology. It's still nice to slow down a little bit, yeah. and, and that's and one of the talk. best ways to to reduce some of that hostility and people mm-hmm. assuming that other people are like being inconsiderate on purpose. You know, if they've actually like run into each other, you know, maybe they had some ice cream together. That's mm-hmm. so much of a attention tamer than right. if. You know, they're like, that guy's always playing his music really late at night and he's so inconsiderate and I hate that guy. You know, when you may find out that he's playing his music loud because he's hearing impaired and he doesn't hear it, or maybe he's an elder and he just doesn't realize the TV is like turned up to 11. So yeah, you're right. I mean, they sound corny and they sound like, why would we bother in this day and age? But they really do improve like the whole vibe and people's willingness to like get along with each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Any other closing thoughts? We'll jump into q and I'm good. Okay. That This is awesome. This has been great. Okay. Let's jump into q and I see a couple here. Let's see. Heather writes, um, this is me. What you're talking about. Me is all capitalized. Single parent, caring for a special needs preteen, plus my aging homebound father all while being an association manager full time. Wow. Um, yeah. You've we got have a tough a, lady. Yeah. You've got a lot of stuff going on there. So I'm glad we're talking about something that means something to you. Ooh. And we have another question from anonymous. How can I hold healthy boundaries, but show grace to difficult people during town hall meetings? How do we really know the difference between someone in crisis versus a friend's Karen? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, good questions there. How do I hold healthy boundaries, but show grace? And then how do we really know the difference between somebody struggling or not? 
That is one of the great philosophical questions. And and mm. Plato said something that is kind of bastardized to the effect of be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And mm. yeah, some of the most difficult people in the world who just drive me nutty. Um, you know, a lot of times when you scratch the surface, you find that their behavior is so difficult um, mm. because there is something going on with them. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, there's some really good books out there, um, about like specifically how to deal with difficult people. Mm -hmm. Um, you can get books like never split the difference by Chris Roth. You can get, um, one called difficult conversations. Um, you know, there's a lot of these sort of communication books and they're usually, you know, designed for like business travelers on a flight. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty easy to read. Um, but I, I usually find that the tool from improv of always responding with yes and gets a lot of difficult people kind of turned around and less defensive. And so you know, basically that's just a simple trick where when somebody's really being difficult or trying to convince you of something that you just know is not a good idea or they're just flat out wrong, um, you know, when we agree with other people, um, even if we can agree with something they say, it's like the tension goes down. So I'll usually just very deliberately like take a step back and do a yes and, you know, like, yes, you're right. The noise is absolutely awful and nobody can sleep and we're all really frustrated. And I would love to hear your ideas for what we might be able to do about that. You know, sure. so we're, we're all, we, you know, if we try to hit back with, you know, arguing, even when right. we're right, people just dig in. I mean, that's yep. just human nature. So the more we can like agree, even with some piece of it, let them have their say mirror back to them. Like, okay, Karen, you know, I'm hearing that you want your five Pekingese dogs to be able to roam free in the courtyard. And I'm sure they would love that. And now we're going to talk about, you know, what roles will work for the entire community with respect to pet care. Um, so mm -hmm. it's always like a yes and like that little judo move. Mm -hmm. A little mirroring from never split the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you read that? Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Read both. Yeah. Very good books. Difficult conversations and never split the difference. Okay. Awesome. I think that's all the Q&A. So we go into a little bit of giveaway action. We've got some great uh, stainless steel tumblers here and a box of box of goodies. So how this works is there's 13 of you live. You, you are the people who have lived through this hour with us. So we hope you got something. <laughs> and so here's some giveaways for you. And I'm going to pick a number. Ben, the producer, has your numbers in a list of how you signed up. And I'm going to go with number seven. So Ben will get in touch with you and uh, get that delivered to you. So I'm seeing some things here. There's some questions popping up in the chat. Do, 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 do. Uh, ben, can you put those in the Q&A box? Probably all about like asphalt and drainage though. Right. Um, oh, wait, here we go. <clears throat> okay, let me try to summarize this. I fully admit to having compassion overload, but it resonated badly with me that with those who need extra attention are attracted to condos. Oh, oh. oh is this okay. because absentee landlords expect the board members or property managers to be the caseworkers and cleanup crew? I had kind of that same feeling. And, you know, it's, 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 
nice place to live. You don't have to do any maintenance and um, you know, it's better than, better than some formal government run housing and they don't have to live in my basement. I can make sure that. And so, yeah, I was kind of feeling some of your concerns there too, of why do we have to deal with it? Do you have some kind of response to that, Rebecca? As well, far as I, I certainly hope I didn't misspeak and malign, um, unintentionally malign, you know, folks who um, need some kind of support to live independently. Mm-hmm. I don't think you um, did. Okay, good. I'm really glad. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, and, and I, I certainly understand that when you, you know, don't have any particular support needs yourself and you mm-hmm. want your condo to be awesome and you don't want to have to, you know, you pay your condo right. fees. You don't really right. want them going towards, you know, Jenny Here's, the alcoholic or hidden things that now I have to deal with that I didn't sign up for. It, maybe it, that yeah. is unfortunately the way of it. And, um, you know, that is the, the kind of, there's the great side of communal living, which is we all pool our resources. And so, you know, Hey, guess what? Snow removal is Jen's problem, not mine. Right. Um, that's certainly the, the pro, but, you know, having, having lived in, you know, my, my condo when I was single, it was, you know, there were definitely issues where um, I was not always thrilled that you had people who were loud or rude or, sure, you know, had a lot of, of problems that then, you know, because I was part of a community that kind of became mine. Um, right. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we are our brother's keepers and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, the way we're designed is, is when we live together, mm-hmm. we, we do, you know, we, we get the good parts of it and we get the bad parts of it. Mm-hmm. I know that doesn't really make it any easier. Um, right. Heard she follows up with a kind of a, a follow-on question of how can condo boards make the responsible people take responsibility? Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's a fair, that's a fair question. We want to be our brother's keeper, but we didn't sign up to be their keeper keeper, you know? So yeah, how do we, how do we kind of say, you know, that's cool, but you also have to step up and take a little bit more care here. Are there, have you run across tricks or tips or something like that? You know, I, I wish I did. We, we, in my condo board, of course we do fines, but a lot of people don't read the notices or they're just like, yeah, well, (laughs) you know, it's bad. And yeah, it's, it is extremely frustrating to me as somebody who like, I like my condo to be like really neat and I like to keep it up and, you know, check all the paint to make sure that it's, you know, painted and the screens aren't ripped and the Mm -hmm. plants are ever growing. And yeah, it it makes me so mad when I walk by somebody else's place and I see that they've like got cigarette butts all over the ground. Um, I wish I had an answer to this one, but maybe you get a lawyer in here next time to talk about like, Hmm. things condo associations can do to increase compliance. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Those are great questions. And yeah, I was thinking I kind of had that, you know, I was like, wait a minute. I mean, yeah, that's, is that fair? You know, the fairness question, but I think, I think that gets answered a lot of ways. Yeah. Okay. It's not not fair. What's that? (laughs) It's 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 never fair. You know, it's never fair. Fair. Okay. Did you know we have free resources for boards and managers? Go to learn.j2consultants.com slash resources. You'll find over 300 videos on YouTube and lots of stuff in the in the uh, PDFs and guides and all sorts of things. So please check that out there. And don't forget, we'll be back each month live at 3.30 on the last Tuesday of every month. You can scan the QR code 
if you sign up to receive these, everybody who's in here is going to receive it. But uh, feel free to pass it on to your friends. If this was worthwhile, have the rest of, rest of your board sign up or share it with others and talk about it. So a big thank you to Rebecca. You have made Thanks this for topic me, everybody. and show so much, so interesting. Once again, here's her contact information for you. And uh, just really, this has really been a cool show. I've learned a ton. And so we really thank you for being, being a part of this. Thanks, so. Jens. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. See you later.